if you've been told to pull up your socks recently, then make sure it's a pair of RCR socks. Visit www.realitycheck.radio forward slash shop. It's great to welcome back to Legal Hub, Nick Kearney. Hi, Nick. Good morning, Paul. Good morning, everybody. Good to see you and hear you again, Katie Ashby-Coppins. Good morning. Good morning, everybody. How are you? What a week it's been so far. Yeah. It's, um, it's well, it's not, we actually haven't had a break between the week or the weekend because we just kept going straight through and didn't stop after everything hit, the, hit last week. So I don't think I've stopped. So big picture, what do we make of this? Where does it fall? What does it mean? Uh, I think it is very interesting. I think what is important um, is that there has been no denial about the accuracy of the data and that there, you know, it, there's even more reason to have this commission of inquiry that is called for in the New Zealand First uh, and uh, National Coalition Agreement, and that is vital. Nick? Yeah, um, look, uh, got to be a little bit careful about what we say because it's now before the courts, the man's been arrested uh, and the like. But, uh, you know, and I see various people on, on social media calling him a hero and, and others castigating him and, you know, people in the you know, mainstream media, you know, upset, bringing back all their memories of, you know, what happened during COVID with their relatives dying and all sorts of stuff. So, it, it, look, it's a sensitive topic for a lot of people, but uh, it, it, I think it's also an incredibly important one and, and one which none of us, the, the country, you, I, or anybody listening or anyone else should shy away from trying to uh, to discuss and to, um, I think, not just discuss, but uh you know, get to the get to the heart of um, of of the issue. What's been done, why it's been done, and um, and I guess you know, um, enlighten people, I suppose, who are listening and others as to how this legislation works. The 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 the, the whistleblowers uh, legislation, which you know, apparently is this is what this. Um, defendant as he now is, is is claiming he can utilize um so yeah i, I don't think there's going to ever going to be a uh, a greater public uh, display of this legislation the whistleblowers act or whatever you want to call it um protected disclosures brackets protection of whistleblowers close brackets act 2022 there's probably not going to be a greater you know public display of that legislation what it all means and how it how it works than uh, then in this case, over the, over the next couple of years, I would I would I would suggest. Um, can I ask a few simple questions from the dumb guy in the street point of view? Okay. No, no question, the dumb question, Paul. If you're an employee and you access data like this and and archive it, I guess, and download it and send it out. I mean, am I am I going to be surrounded by police for that? Usually. <laughs> well, l- let's just. I mean, let's just go back a step, and and the yes, the allegation you know was, uh, and I read it that you know this person's house was surrounded by police. Uh, I, I don't, I've not seen images. I don't know if that's true. Okay, that, fair enough. Whether that was hyperbole or exaggeration, we'll you even know, have like, them knocking on the door. Okay, knocking on the door. Well, look, um, I guess what you're saying is, is this simply an employment matter, a civil matter? Yeah. Or does it does it is it does it involve 
um, criminal wrongdoing, you know, and uh, you know, in, in pretty in pretty short time frame. Uh, the ministry decided that there was a, a criminal act had been committed here. The police looked at it. There's sufficient evidence under under the, the Crimes Act for whatever it was, uh, dishonestly obtaining information by whatever it was through the computer that he used or something. Um, prima facie, there might be a criminal, um, you know, um, uh, offence committed here. I don't know how many police turned up at his house. Um, did it require, you know, one or two knocking on the door? Um, did it require, I mean, you know, there's, I guess there's a couple of ways of dealing with it. One is, first of all, from a complainant's perspective or the ministry's perspective, they have to protect their data that has been, um, they say, stolen or leaked, you know, um, wrongfully. Um, and so that, you know, they could go to a court, get an injunction to stop it being disseminated anywhere anywhere else around the world, and that's what they did. The second part of it is saying, well, okay, we've got a perpetrator who did that. How do we deal with him now? Uh, and there's a couple of ways the police can deal with people. You know, um, they, they can knock on their door and arrest them, put them in handcuffs, throw them in the back of a car and put them in the police station and fingerprint them and photograph them and and put them in the court and, and embarrass them, I suppose, for one, you know, if that's the way they want to do it. The second way they can do it is to say, well, look, we know who this guy is. We know where he lives. Um, let's just ring him up and say, mate, we think you've done something wrong here. How about you come to the police station and explain your actions? Uh, if you don't, we'll come and arrest you. Uh, um, and, or, you know, alternatively, we're going to conduct an investigation. And if we find you've committed an offence, we're going to summons you to appear in court. Okay, so there's a few options the police have. They've chosen the heavy-handed option, um, which, you know, uh, for something of this nature is, is a bit surprising, to, to, to be honest. Here's the other dumb question. Um, apparently, uh, bail was granted, but it wasn't till the next day. And I think there was time spent somewhere other than home overnight. Um well, look. Why would you do? Why can I just make that? a? I'll make a wider, wider comment on, on that. And I was having a. I had a very nice lunch at a, a Chinese noodle house uh, here in Auckland, and um, and I was talking to um, a very good friend about this very topic, and uh, he and I concurred that I think we're going to have to be. Um, uh, say we as a as a you know as a country as a society as a as a legal system are going to have to be very careful and very watchful as to how this case pans out because this person deserves the same treatment uh, for his offending I suppose as anybody else um, for like similar lesser or more offending so I what I'm trying to say is. Uh, I fear that this guy could be made uh, a scapegoat of by the inverted commas system by the state, um, simply because of the you know the fear and all the else around the vaccine and, and and COVID and all that all that stuff from which certain vested interests, if I can say, need to um, protect themselves for, and so uh, they could. This guy, you know, needs to need, needs to have a, a circle of friends and, and, and everything around him to make sure that he is not scapegoated, uh, and in fact, uh, he is treated um, evenly and fairly in our justice system, like any other defendant would be, uh, for uh, a similar a similar alleged offence that does not relate to the leak of COVID data information. If you know what I'm getting at. Okay. Um... I got. I just thought of one other dumb question while you're talking there, and, and that is, if if there was any doubt 
that the data was okay being misused inaccurate didn't tell the full picture could be misleading like truly misleading um and and taken out of context all those things and you had data that could instantaneously correct that in every way where is it yeah that's exactly right paul um and i think that uh, there's two things there, and which is why I touched on the accuracy of the data not being de- um, denied. There has been the suggestion that the uh, data has been use- misused uh, to spread vaccine misinformation. Uh, but look, this really is a question for our government. You know, where is p- provide all the data? So uh, the data that uh, Barry was responsible for was the smaller pay per dose provider data. Uh, which includes the um, vaccination payments that were made to all vaccinators at places like chemists or GP clinics. There was a separate bulk funding provider, um, which presumably would have a similar uh, database that might be being kept for the purposes of uh, uh, calculating up that information. But we also know, and we can see throughout the data um, uh, in uh, sorry, throughout the minute, is the CV tag minutes, uh, that Helen Patusi-Harris uh, of the Vaccine Data Network University of uh, sorry, she's a non-academic position. She's the co-director Global Vaccine Data Network, which I understand is a private entity that clearly received funding uh, for uh, pulling together certain information uh, from uh, vaccines that included information from hospitalisation and primary health data, and that this is readily available on a Click app, uh, which is referred to, that's Q-L-I-K, which is referred to throughout the CV tag records when they go in to talk about specific cases of uh, injured people. So the data is there. Um, the data is uh, not been made uh, publicly available because it's being used in the way that it is at the moment. And the Click database looks like it's just a data integration system that anyone can buy the app for, and it's just what you put into it that's relevant. So, um, you know, this is important. I think we need to call for all of the data. This is why we have to have the inquiry. Uh, and, you know, there was three concerns, I think, and I've actually just been sent the uh, wording of the uh, injunction now that was issued by the Employment Relations Authority. Uh, the um, the Employment Relations Authority got involved, issued the injunction. That was the injunction that allowed Wasabi to cut off um, uh, Steve Kirsch. Yep, uh, it, it and, happened while we, we were talking. Oh, what it did it? Okay. Mm. Um, so that injunction is how that's been used. Uh, supposedly... Um, New Zealand uh, government is uh, sweeping or keeping an eye out for us. It, it's other- funny. I'll just jump in with that because I we talked about that and I said, is someone leaning on you? And he said, oh, no, I've just exceeded the bandwidth. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, I listened to that today and I thought that was interesting, but I think that was at the same time. And I believe this in- injunction, I don't have the full copy. I've just got a screenshot that was um, issued on Saturday. Uh, and I think he was saying that his the was shut down, Wasabi was shut down on Sunday. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, yeah. Mm. It was almost in real time that we, when we were talking, because uh, we recorded um, our interview the, the day before it was played, so mm. things mm. were pretty close there. But it turns out he was being leaned on. Of course. Or, well, or the provider was. Anyway. Provider was, absolutely. And look, I'll just keep coming back to it. I think that there is sufficient information that has been released um, 
uh, you know, there's been pains, people have gone to pains to cleanse the data. So, you know, any privacy issuers um, uh, or breach of privacy uh, has been sidelined as an issue to take um, uh, to take against uh, Barry. But then also, you know, that's now the, the police are involved uh, and they're involved because the data has been released uh, publicly uh, before appropriate steps were taken by um, Barry to go through uh, and utilise the Protected Disclosures Act, which would give him protection as a whistleblower. Yeah, well, that obviously um, it didn't play the game in that way, and, but it is what it is now, right? So it is. we can't uh, put that one uh, back in, in the tube. Um, if the data is anonymised and there's no way of, of getting any you know personal data out of the uh, set of data that is available, then... How can how no one's damaged? Then then what are we talking about? We're just talking about what? Just a a blob of information that's not damaging that belongs to bloody well us anyway. Actually, we we own it, um, mm. so we should we should be able to see it. So where where are they then? Yeah, and that's a really good point. Um, arguably, the data is publicly available information. It's just being corralled and captured into one database that uh, Barry was responsible for. Uh, and it's it's data that won't, uh, you know, if it has been properly anonymized and you can't identify a person from the um, data breach, then it's a bit of a different situation to what you see with uh, the recent hackings and sharing of personal information, uh, such as I think it was uh, Medicare in uh no, no, it was the insurer in Australia where they actually released the people's names as against their health issues, yeah. uh, against their age. I think even their phone numbers and things were included. So this this data is definitely not on that level of detail on the basis of the, uh, I think, undertakings Steve's given to cleanse it of uh, personal pe- identifying information. People have mentioned that this is um, some kind of, this. there are a couple of databases and this is some kind of record of, of payments Great. or reimbursements for the service of vaccinating someone is it have we got that yep. correct That's okay correct. and and it, it kind of i think there was a leak wasn't there about 18 months ago of the price per dose and it was 36 dollars yeah, and so that's Chris, Hipkins, <clears throat> Chris mm. Hipkins had that put to me he was very uncomfortable mm. and the journalist asked him well is there any problem with that you know and, and 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 what's your problem with that? And he said he hoped Pfizer wasn't upset. Now that didn't make any sense back then, but maybe it starts to make more sense now. Yeah, I think that that's um, uh, relevant. I think that there's a couple of different pieces of information floating around. So uh, Pfizer contract specifies uh, what well, would specify how much it is per dose. Pfizer might have a provision in their contracts that says, you know, none of this is to be made publicly available. Uh, it's commercial and confidence, and the New Zealand government must maintain the commercial and confidence elements of the contract, and that might be including price. Um, if Chris Hipkins uh, is spending our money to buy these products on our behalf, I think we're entitled to know how much uh, they're getting. Where this is slightly different, though, is this is the small. This is the pay per dose that was paid to providers, and so again, that's your um, the doses that were administered at chemists and GP clinics, um, as opposed to you know the Super Saturday mass vaccination clinics. 
where this comes in is that pharmacies, for example, um, that were on this paid per, per dose um, rate, were getting paid $36.05 per dose during weekdays. That's the 36. Uh, that's slightly different because I think that that's a 36 per dose to buy the product from Pfizer under the Pfizer contract. This is different. This is what the New Zealand government paid to okay. the pharmacist, pharmacist. Well, I could have heard it slightly wrong. It's it's almost two years ago, but sorry. Okay. Karen. Well, the reason why I think it's different is because they also got an amount of 48.72 cents per dose for vaccinating on the weekends or after hours. Oh. So... In total, under this pay-per-dose um, rate, the pharmacies ended up getting between $58.5 million and $79.1 million oh, extra in OMG, funding OMG. last year under this pay-per-dose business. Wait on. Does that mean – Oh, okay, I suppose if you're going along to get your vax shot, if you're – know anything about business, you're going to be thinking, well, someone's getting paid for this. But but you, you don't know how much. And none of the <clears throat> persuasion or marketing ever sounded like <laughs> there was a whole army of paid people incentivized to put this thing in your arm. That's part of the informed consent, isn't it? To know yes. that, you, that that person is being paid and is motivated, no matter what I think, actually, in the end, if, if he doesn't or she doesn't get me, there's one they miss out on. Yeah, I think, and I'm sure you probably agree. You, I think, you're obliged to let people know that you're getting paid to administer these vaccines per dose, and that platform's part of the informed consent. Yeah, I mean, I think it goes for me. And I read there's an article actually, Paul, in a magazine, a pharmacy magazine called Pharmacy Today, uh, and you know, it's uh, it's. Um, uh, a pharmaceutical magazine available to people interested in the pharmaceutical industry in New Zealand. So this is not anything that's been put on uh, some weird website, social media or something. It's a legitimate magazine written by a journalist, I, I suppose, or some some writer for this magazine. And uh, a quote from that, one, an accountant who deals with pharmacies said, he is aware of one pharmacy, not a client of his, that made one million from vaccinations alone. Oh, profit so the thing for me with Ooh. this is this is that we know because we discussed it on this program uh some weeks ago when the pfizer contract uh, with the south african government was uh, made available uh, we know from that 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 contract uh, had uh, wording such as that pfizer uh, hoped that the thing would work it was aspirational in nature that it was essentially a risk. Uh, it hadn't been tested properly. I think you know. I don't know the exact words now, but reading between the lines, they you know um, a, a, a lot of um, a lot of no responsibility clauses to the government of South Africa saying, look, we're not sure about this thing. It's aspirational. It's still very high risk, but you take it on your own. Take it for your own luck. Now, um, you know, when we read some of those provisions out on the show, there were, you know, audible gasps almost from you, Paul, and I suspect from some of your listeners. Uh, I'm good as, at that. Uh, yeah, and I suspect from some of your listeners as well. Well, my point to that is this, that uh, I wonder if the, that the pharmacies that were making a million dollars a month or whatever it might be 
for rolling out this vaccine and, and, and pumping it into people's arms. I wonder if they should have known about those provisions in that contract, you know, because that contract signed with, the, you know, um, we, and we assume it's the same, essentially the same one with the uh, New Zealand government. So it's signed with the New Zealand government. It's got wording in it that essentially says, we hope this thing works, we're not sure. Uh, and then the government hands over these um these, these vaccines uh, to the pharmacies with a bit of a you know nudge nudge wink wink you'll be right put these in people's arms please I, and I'm sure that the pharmacies had absolutely no idea that uh, that that the Pfizer or even the you know AstraZeneca Moderna contracts or whatever they might be contained the sort of wording that it did and I and I just wonder what some of the pharmacies now um, are, are wondering. Uh, and, you know, if I was a patient, you know, um, for example, that had uh, a vaccine administered by a pharmacist and I, you know, got I got an injury from it, um, you'd almost want to walk back into the pharmacy now and say, well, actually, did you know of the risk that this thing posed to me when you were given it by the government in your supply contract? So maybe even, you know, for the uh, eager beavers uh, out there or someone um, it'd be great to get hold of a one or two of these supply contracts between some of these pharmacies in New Zealand and and the government because they, they must be they must be around. We've all we've all concentrated, I suppose, or a lot of the people have concentrated on the the supply and distribution contract between Pfizer or the pharmaceutical companies offshore and the government. Well, I would suggest that the government has to have them with the the pharmacies in intra New Zealand, and it would be great to get hold of a couple of those to see what they say. I'm just thinking um, back to what he said and that line, you know, that um, he was hoping that Pfizer wasn't too grumpy or upset. But if you see the $36 thing is the thing, it's the that's the coincidental intersect here because it's the same figure that was mentioned in that story back then. If you didn't want people to start asking questions about payments to service providers for this, is is the little you know the conspiracy brain of me working? You'd misdirect it by pointing that as a Pfizer thing. That's a that's a oh yeah okay yep yeah, yeah I understand that. But actually that was some that that was the, the, the amount that was being paid to the doing it with an office hours. Let's say the injectors. Did they say publicly back then that that's how they were operating it? I don't remember any talk about that. No, I don't think that there was um, that. Yes, you could assume that the injectors might be getting an hourly rate, um, but or, or something to for them to do the injection. But I don't know that you were talking quite in these. Um, well, I, I wasn't aware amounts. of it, and I was hanging off every word. Yeah, and look, it was for the greater good of the nation. Everyone was rolling up their sleeves. So, um, so yeah. how much? How many people is a million more than a million in? in turnover from that. I mean, that's thousands of people. Yeah, it is. Yeah, I mean, you've only got to, you know, only got to do the maths, uh, really. I mean, I, uh, you know, how many people in New Zealand were capable of receiving this? There's four and a half million people. What was the vaccine roll at? 90% of it or 85, 80%? I don't know. Well, did we get to 90%? I'm not sure. Well, let's call it 90 for, for not knowing. Yeah, and so 90% of four and a half million is what? 3,690,000, 3,700,000 people. Um, by thirty-five bucks, let's say around. Yeah, there. yeah, yeah. By thirty-five bucks, that's a lot of money. Yeah. And if you're a big um, uh, chain, that's good money. 
It's, it's great money. And it's easy you, done. Why would you turn it down? Are you a business? You've got staff to pay. You've got rent to pay. You've got profit. You've got families to feed. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And you wouldn't say to the punters, oh, look, just let you know first that we're being paid for this. and But I want you to know that it's your choice and it's not well tested. And there was none of that. No. No, but I just want to go back. Look, I just want to go back to, uh, and I'm reading straight from the Herald article that was, you know, put out when uh, this man was uh, was arrested. And I, I'm interested, actually, in the angle already that is being taken by by the mainstream media uh, on this. And as far as we know, this uh, this man simply worked. We worked at uh, Te Fata Ora. Uh, he developed, he was responsible for developing a database for the vaccine rollout, as I understand it. And uh, and I mean, it says in the in, in the newspaper that he claimed he developed a database for the vaccine rollout and he quoted from that work. So he's just developed a database for the rollout with numbers of people, anonymized, obviously, whatever, whatever. And um, there's no indication that I've read anywhere, and I'll stand to be corrected by either of you to anybody else. There's no information anywhere that he claimed when he released this information that, in fact, um, that the, the vaccine uh, or vaccines was was linked, and he, he could prove it through his database, to excess mortality. He, he, I don't think he's ever claimed that. But um, not as far as I've seen. Again, I'm welcome to be proved wrong, except, except of course, the, the, the Herald starts with this. Um, um, earlier tonight, the ministry said the staff member had no clinical background or expert vaccine knowledge, and there was no evidence vaccination was responsible for, quote, excess mortality uh, in New Zealand. Um, and then they quoted a, you know, a person whose um, elderly parents um, passed away from, from COVID. And, and this person said, uh, the idea that these clowns could be using my loved one's deaths as so-called proof that the jab kills people when it simply doesn't is truly distressing to me. So, again, I, I don't know whether that is what this man, uh, on the his information in the database was claiming or not, I'd, I'd presume it actually wasn't, but automatically straight away we've got a media um, trying to spin uh, the the inference, I suppose, that you've got. And, and, and it's not just the Herald. I heard Ryan Bridge on uh, TV3 interview Luxon, uh, Chris Luxon, the Prime Minister, about it. And he asked a question about... And he called this man... This man was and had, had extreme views around the vaccine. And could the Prime Minister comment on those and quite properly... And and good on good on Chris Luxon for doing so. He he kind of veered away from answering that, which I think was the right thing to do. But my point is already, we're only two days into this, we are seeing manipulation potentially of what this person claims. Um, you know, he has information on, and it's now being skewed in the media to say he's some sort of extremist. He, he he's linking uh, vaccines to mortality, excess mortalities when. Apparently, all you know, all he's done is just had a whole bunch of information and gone boomf and put it out there. Well, Steve Kirsch said that over time he realised he could see a pattern emerging, and it made him more and more unsettled because he, he's been com communicating with Steve Kirsch for quite a while. The other thing yeah. was that uh, he also, in the original presentation, correct me if I'm wrong, talked about setting up some thresholds so any excess death day over 120, because the background level is about 100 in New Zealand per day. Anything over 120, he would look at. So there was a 
a peak that he was looking for, a threshold that if you, if you crossed it, he was treating that as a as an excess mortality day, let's say. Mm-hmm. So I think he was conscious of that. But that could all be dispelled right now as we're talking with a simple release of the data from Te Fatu Ora Ministry of Health. It could be settled as we're speaking, couldn't it? Well, if it's, anon- if it's anonymized... Well, they the could problem? do that anyway, even if it wasn't. What's the problem if, if it's anonymized? Unless you are... Hmm, hmm, hmm. And then this is this is my point that I made at the very start. That for me, the, one of the interesting aspects of this is how this man is going to be treated by the media and by the public in terms of what has what he has done and, and or, or has not done, uh, and what the inverted commas alleged crime, close inverted commas, is, is meant to be. And he's if if he's judged in the media uh, as being some sort of extreme uh, anti-vax nutter. Uh, that's a danger to the country or something, then, you know, we've got to be very careful that he receives a fair trial, I suppose is what I'm saying. Those whistleblower laws, regs, Katie, um, is he inside the tent on that or the way this is being done takes him outside of the protection for that? Where does that stand? Yeah, look, it does uh, because he, and look, I don't know, but, uh, I got the impression that there was contact made to the Ministry of Health in advance, but only just in advance, maybe 24 hours in rele- in, before the release. So, you know, and, and I don't want this to dissuade anyone from having serious concerns about information they hold for the organisation they work for or are within. There are rules, they need to be followed, or you won't get the protection. Now, to get the protection under the um, uh, uh, whistleblower protection laws, uh, it's there's a flowchart and it's set out there nicely at uh, section seven and it tells you what to do. So, you know, do you work for the organisation? You can't work not work for the organisation, or you know, and by work for you could be a volunteer, but you need to be inside the tent. Um, and then you've got. Uh, concerns that that information shows or indicates serious wrongdoing uh, on the part of uh, who it's about and uh, you've taken it to the appropriate department or agency uh, with issues and if it's uh, health minister- uh, if it's in relation to health then the suggested agencies are the Ministry of Health or the Health and Disability Commissioner if you need further clarification there might be the Ombudsman um, but if you're concerned about the protection, sorry, the the um, data, you know, going to be looked at by other people within the tent, and you might have concerns about the Ministry of Health or the Health and Disability Commissioner dealing with the data and your concerns properly. There might a, a more appropriate um, uh, person to consider it might be the Governor General or the Attorney General, uh, and that's you know got to be something that the person considers. Uh, at the time of bringing their very serious concerns that they legitimately believe uh, to the relevant, um, I guess, agency for assessment. What if you've then, got a situation though, when you've got? I mean, because if this, if this is, if this, this is a thing, if this is a thing, then it's a very serious thing, very serious thing. Correct. So, if if people inside the establishment know that there's potentially a very serious thing and it can reverberate and ripple out through that establishment. Mm-hmm. And the consequences of this could be cut up very rough legally, 
whatever. Okay, cut up very rough. You would be sensible in thinking that the whole establishment could be a problem to interface with on this because at every point potentially, and we've seen it, you mentioned the ombudsman. I've talked to people on this program that the ombudsman hasn't made any effort for them. No, absolutely. And Nothing. So you know, he's, he just sat around and he sent out a few letters and it's months and months, it drifts aimlessly forever. And, and so you can't rely on that. We've seen that um, even on the legal side, that there has been in the legal establishment, correct me if I'm wrong, a buy-in to the, you know, the, the vaccine hip, hypnotism sort of mass formation, whatever you want to call it. So all the way through that, no one there has your interest at heart. Potentially, no, and that's and that's why you know I've suggested some other uh, positions outside of the um, uh, government organisations that you might uh, not feel will have for the best interest in heart or don't want this information to get out, and so that's why I've suggested as alternative uh, and appropriate authority to take the information to might be the Governor General or the Attorney General. Yeah, but she's one of them. She's Cindy. No, she, she's she's she one is. of their mates. But you early know, childhood you, commissioner. She came up through that whole system. If you've got the data and you have um, concerns about it within the organisation, then this is what the law says. Okay. But yeah. funny you should say that, Paul, because I, I just you know said uh, uh, um, uh, just a few minutes ago about the lunch I had yesterday with my friend, and um, one of the points I made to him. Was that this this uh, this prosecution and this case could severely test our, our judicial system, and and we'll, we're going to see um, how independent uh, the separation of powers and the people really are in, in our system. Um, I think as a result of this, you know, because um, we've already seen, and I go back to it, you know, during even. You know, I, st I still get a bee in my bonnet over Billy Tikahika's uh, arrest for just for having a protest, basically, right? Um, when, you know, um, you've got uh, Te Pāti Māori MPs causing havoc up and down the country today protesting and blocking motorway, and nothing happens. But Billy Tikahika, he, he protested because of lockdowns and mandates, and he goes to jail. You know, we saw... Um, you know, even during the, the, the pandemic and the lockdowns, uh, the um, maybe... I can say the, the you know the overshoot of 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 judges willing to um, you know put people in, in jail for breaching lockdown orders and and, and the like or threatening to etc cetera, etc. Cetera. So, in in terms of this particular issue of, of COVID mandate lockdowns and everything like that, there have been some very good decisions by judges, obviously, uh, and there have been ones that you know as well that I I've looked back and thought, oh come on, mate, you know, um, or or madam. <laughs> You know, stand up and be counted, and 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 give the decision that you know is right, and in law and everything else. We haven't seen that, so I just hope, as I say, I just go back. I hope this guy receives a fair trial, and the judiciary and and, and the legal system here serves the, the proper purpose that it's meant that it's meant to serve. Um, in in this case, and and the fact that you know, as I say, it, it, the crown will use as as a um, uh, it, what's the word um aggravating factor that in fact it was it was COVID vaccination data which makes it much 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 more worse than anything else um and that that's my fear that well what know, if it's yellow fever data well, well what if it's flu vaccine data well, well, that, that's my point that's 100 percent exactly the yeah. measles does it really matter yeah, you I'm, know? Not, yeah. I'm not falling off my chair to, for those yeah it, to, toenail fungus treatments i mean who, does no. it really matter no, arrest them arrest them <laughs> you know what i mean 
But, but, but the fact that it's COVID vaccination data, the Crown, I'm sure, will uh, use that and, 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 and catapult the, the, the crime to a much larger degree than perhaps it ordinarily needs to be. Uh, and this is where we all have to be vigilant, I think, and, and hoping where the system actually, um, you know, holds, holds true, I suppose. Mm. Now, look, I've just actually been provided with the um, uh, injunction that was issued in the Employment Relations Authority, uh, putting to side whether or not the Employment Relations Authority can even issue that. It's okay. interesting to know uh, that the ERA, the Employment Relations um, member who made the decision, uh, was a former um, MBIE senior manager. Now, I wanted to talk about it um, on today's Legal Hub. Was the, minister, the Ministry of Everything. Correct. And the interesting thing was is we've been provided a Official Information Act request where letters that people were sending at the time that they were mandated asking their employer to engage with them about the safety and efficacy of these products. He is all over these letters saying, how do we get it around having to reply to these template uh, letters that here have been we go. produced? Here we go. Here we go. So this is honestly just landing in my inbox as we're talking, hence why um, it's a bit... Uh, no wonder they're squealing like pigs. Yeah, look, and he should be excused from even have issuing that uh, issue, uh, having the, issued that injunction. He's just been appointed. Well, that nullet, you know, who's his lawyer? Do you know his lawyer? I mean, what do you do? Say, hey, this can't stand. We've got to go back and look at this. This guy is completely compromised. Yeah, and look, the injunction would have probably been ex parte without notice to Barry. Um, and it, um, you know, it's honestly, the Employment Relations Authority have been refusing to supply it, indicating that it would only be delivered within three business days after the decision, which would be Wednesday, yesterday, hence why it's coming out now. Um, and that it would only be available from Employment Relations Authority website where the decisions are held. So this is why this is all um, happening now. But the interesting thing is, is that uh, Shane Kinley, who's just been important, uh, um, uh, um, oh, what, would, what did you get? You're an authority member, so you get appointed to the Employment Relations Authority, hmm. uh, is the one making a um giving an injunction in favor of the government uh and you know he's got uh, you can see all throughout this oia his strong positions on uh vaccines and the like so uh this gentleman is not going to get a easy go um if you've got the likes of uh mr kinley um sorry authority member kinley um all over um, the uh, order in the first place, which you know could give good rise to the legality of it, and it might be that um, uh, Bit Barry's lawyer, who he's now uh, engaged, and with the handing out of this decision, may consider whether or not the Employment Relations Authority has the power to even issue this type of injunction. Uh, but also to see the nature of um, Mr. Kidney's views uh, in. Uh, seeking ways and means of refusing to engage with people that had genuine concerns about um, the safety and efficacy of these products, uh, and you know, failing, uh, assisting employers to fail or refuse to engage on these very key issues. This just keeps getting better. 
Well, there we go. I mean, I mean, I didn't even know this ten minutes ago when I was saying. I you didn't know, know it ten minutes no. ago. Hey, so this to, is happening in real time right <laughs> here. To on my, my point, desktop. To yeah. my point, touche. Right. So, to my point, touche. Uh, and this is this 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 whole thing has got uh, legs uh, everywhere. It, it, it it's got the potential to have a spider web everywhere. This thing. So, it smells yeah. worse than Moa Point in the seventies. You'd have to tell me what my point in the 70s felt you like. You don't want to know. I wasn't born. You don't. <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't pleasant. Mm-hmm. I'm just saying, okay, wow, wow. It's got to sort of process all that. Mm. But that's also dumb play from them, isn't it? I mean, we're going to find that out. People are going to make a fuss about that. Who do they think, do they, think they are? Yeah, look, it's pretty incredible. And it was just um, honestly as it was coming in and then knowing that I also wanted to touch on that um, approach and, and these uh, work safe emails from the Employment Relations Authority member himself saying, how do we get a foot around having to even engage or respond? So, you know, there's just this blind belief that they're, they're accurate. And then you've now got an authority member that I think that would have probably been appropriate for, to have, for him to recuse himself from making this decision given his involvement with assisting uh, WorkSafe and the others to uh, participate in this particular subject matter that they have, um, which with, with such, um, yeah, it, it, it is a ground for them to recuse themselves for sure. That, that, that was the exact word I was I was going to, um, I was thinking of, he, he probably needed to consider recusing himself. Mm. Mm. And that happens all the time. So if you go to a matter and you um, have a judge that appears um, in court and then they look down the witness list and they know one of the witnesses, um, the judge will either have to admit that they know one of the witnesses or they'll say, look, I know one of the one, one of the witnesses in this case, therefore it's not appropriate for me to be involved. It's effectively like a conflict of interest. I need to step aside and another judge will have to come in and hear this. Mm. That would have been the appropriate thing for Mr. Kinley to do. Mm, mm. Um, you know, he, he's, his fingerprints are all over all of these things. Um, and I'll share the OIA um, and the decision with uh, this recording too so people have the information to hand. It might be quite good, though, that even though this is messy and all over the place, that it comes out like this because what it will do is it will just keep on throwing up revelation after revelation, contradiction after contradiction, um, and the longer they don't publish and they could do it right now, as I say, the data to correct it all if they're all so right and it's all there. Uh, it, it's like a forcing function, isn't it, that we just, <laughs> you know, we get to watch the show, you know. Oh, absolutely. Um, and, you know, we are all uh, cautious of the show um, because, you know, it's, you know, how it's played out. And if people still think that... Um, you know, everything's hunky-dory and the government's got our best interests in heart um, and the health system you know, and, and pharmaceutical companies want to protect us. Well, you know, you, who's the conspiracy theorist now? <laughs> well, totally. Okay. Um, is there anything more to say about that while we sort of swallow all that and... and- this will be a watching brief, and I'm sure uh, over many you know, future legal hubs we'll be um, delving into more of this. It'll be something to, that'll be very interesting to see how it plays out, and it's, this will go on for a number of years. So, uh, you know, goodness, um, 
listeners, you know, stay tuned because uh, you'll get the best commentary here, won't you, Paul, on all these matters? I'd say you'll get yeah. the, the most over-the-top emotional reactions from me. That's Hello, and we just, had, we, we just had a live a live action happen as we as that were was, speaking. That was know, fascinating. Five minutes ago. Mm. Okay. Yeah. Now, um, here's my other um, – um, this is the reptilian brain working now. Do you think people are squirming and feeling nervous right now? Because I hope they are. I think you can see how nervous they are. <laughs> Yeah. I really do. Um, and you know, it's a bit of it's a bit of an interesting time when, that the starters come out when it has. Um, you've got an opposition government in now, um, for as much as they've been in opposition, uh, but you now have got New Zealand First and uh, Nationals Coalition Agreement calling for a uh, broader, all-encompassing inquiry. As is to that the- damaged? Look, I, I think it should vindicate them more in making sure that the terms of reference are solid and broad enough. And we're seeing the data, you know, if, and look, I'll put it into context. There requires more analysis of this data because it only just says one thing and, oh, sorry, it only says certain things, but it doesn't have all of the information to that sits behind it. That's okay. Them. The information's there. We're all That's big. Correct. We can handle it. Let's there's, see it. There's enough here to suggest that someone needs to look into it. That person needs to be independent. They need to yep. be given all of the information. Uh, and there's certainly enough data bases out there with um, Helen Patissi Harris's uh, Click database that she's been paid for. Um, you know, as a as a you know, whatever organisation she's with, but I don't think it falls. Because they're all they're all on the take. Ching, ching, I'm just ching, saying ching. that no, no. I'm just saying that there's the databases out there with the information. Um, you can see it's referenced uh, multiple mm. times. They're all getting there's, paid. There's going to be a, well, follow the money, Paul. Yeah, I know. Um, I know. And so you can see now that the system that Barry was. I mean, I watched in. her on a video persuading pregnant women. I think pretty sure it was her, and she's not her saying and Michael. That, not saying that you know we're getting paid for this. You well, know, like a sales commission, for, basically. She was getting paid to keep the database of injuries and the like, um, and she was given the, inf- the the information that, you know, the hospitalised yeah, Injuries and the like, and this is promoting it. That's exactly right. And, you know, this is where this has all got to come out, and you'll recall her and her husband were offered um, a very large amount of money at some stage, and people were calling out then. I think even the mainstream media was calling out, you know, this looks like a conflict. No wonder that everything makes sense to me now. It did before, but even more. I'm just, just saying. Uh, yeah. Well, anyway. it's, the reason why we need to call for an inquiry, the data suggests that there's enough information out there to give reasons for concern, and it's the reason why the inquiry needs to happen, and the inquiry needs to have some teeth. No, for sure. And that's the way to do it. I agree. I totally agree. Um, yeah. Okay. I mean, we've burned up quite a bit of time on this, and that's fair enough. Um, is there anything more to say about that? And maybe we can skip over quickly just a couple of other items because there's there's more than just that. <laughs> just that. There's more than that. Um, I, I spoke to Shane Jones. He told us that, you know, um, there's an energy, uh, a really positive energy in this coalition and they're, they're kind of getting on and they've got a sort of like a vision and all that. I guess he would say that. So what do we know about this coalition agreement? Is there anything to say about it? Oh, look, I think it's going to be interesting. It, it's got some very clear um, points in it. It's much larger than anyone could um, have thought. Um, and it has a lot of things in black and white. You've got it there in ink. It will be interesting to see how they um, uh, follow through with all of the things that they 
uh, have identified. Um, and it's an opportunity for all of us to keep them honest um, and to make sure that these things do happen for the public interest. Um, New Zealand is a democratic state and, uh, you know, we have a right to our freedoms and, uh, you know. So that's not- us. You're talking about us, Katie, people like us going hard, right? I'm talking about everybody. Us, no, no, but, you know, we got a voice and we got, we, I mean, I guess I'm uh, I'm thinking, you know, um, before the election, it was great because we could try and get all the issues out there and all sides of the story and you get to that uh, that election and you think, okay, well, that's done now. Actually, there's, it's even more important now. Oh, we're going to be busier than normal, um, but at least we've got um, something to pin our busyness too, because you know, each person can have, um, or, or, or people can have their responsibilities or specialties, and, and ensure those things follow through. That you know, these national interest assessments do happen for any UN pandemic treaty and WHO uh, pandemic treaties, accords, agreements, and anything else that they're promising us at billions of dollars per year um, that we will have to pay. It's good. There are things um, that do, you know, it, it means that you've got a reference, um, something like a precedent you can go to and say, well, you know, Shane, you did say this in, in your coalition agreement. What have you done about it? And mm. a proper democratic nation with elected uh, representatives should be able to turn around and say to its constituents, which is the only reason why they're there, Yes, we've done this. This is how we did it. The information is publicly available so you can have comfort that we have done it. And, you know, I hope you're happy with our performance. If not, in three years' time, we'll be voting you out. Nick? Well, I won't be voting them out because I don't don't vote anymore. <laughs> but You've um, gone off the grid on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, f- f- first time this time in this election, I've voted since 1990. Well, I was considering that too. Actually. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I did vote for my local constituency candidate. Quite like the person, but party vote, no thanks. Uh, anyway, but it, as part of, um, yeah, it's, it's look. There was promises made, you know, um, during the campaign that, that the mandates would come to an end. That, well, it's not the 100-day plan. So, you know, it's what Katie has just said, that we, we have to keep vigilant. And, and you know, we, we a lot of us listeners and people, you know, on the show here were even, uh, you know, didn't I didn't personally think really that, you know, National Zealand First and Act were, were much better than the, than the others. But they on the margins, they probably were. Um, slightly, uh, Winston said a few good things. Um, a couple of the other main parties disappointed me really around some of the stuff. But uh, you know, it's, they said some things that got people excited. And, and Katie's right; it is our job to now try and make sure that they follow through with what they said they were going to do. And, and as I say, the, um, the the mandates are still in operation. Um, employers are still uh, empowered under the Employment Relations Act. Um, to require uh, uh, vaccination. So, you know, if anyone out there um, is, is concerned about this in an employment situation, you know, don't be shy about raising it with your employer and query whether the, the, the policy is still in place in your workplace um, or whether the, you know, the employment agreement, um, if, you, if it was ever amended or changed when the mandates came in, whether that should be removed now from the employment agreement or the policy should be scrapped in the workplace anyway and things should go back to what they were uh, pre-2020. So, um, you know, there's nothing to stop me from doing that, even though even though the law hasn't been changed yet. That's not in the 100-day plan. 
not the hundred day plan, but you know, I, I don't look. To, I mean, the th- the thing about the hundred day plan is that, and this is, you know, this is not a political show. I know, but you know, I, I prefer politicians who make hard decisions, not easy ones, even though they they may be tough. As long as they're the right one, you know, you're there in that position to actually make tough calls. You know, if you taking the easy way out and everything just for the, you know, the fact that you might get a, a few more votes next year, then I don't really think you should be there. But uh, the, the thing about that topic or that issue is uh, um, the Prime Minister has said uh, a number of times that a lot of these things on the 100-day list are easy. They're so easy. You just stroke right, of a pen, okay. stroke of a pen, gone. You know, mm-hmm. Simeon Brown yesterday decided that the, the 8 billion or 18 billion or some dam down in the south, no, gone, we're not doing that. Right, so just put a pen through that. Um, he wants to, you know, the the finance minister wants to uh, adjust the the, the tax uh, thresholds uh, for inflation. She can do that in the stroke of a pen, literally through regulation. So, you know, again, easy stuff. You don't even need, you don't need a bill of parliament. You don't need parliament. Doesn't need to convene. Doesn't need to pass a law. You can just do it through regulations or just through uh, other, you know, informal ways. Um, and and that look, that's that's I suppose that's the sort of stuff you do in your first hundred days because you don't. You know, you don't. Parliament doesn't have have many sitting days, and, and if you want to get rid of some, you know, stuff, low hanging fruit, uh, in that hundred days, then sure, just get you know, put the pen through the paper where you can, nice and easy. Tick, you know, put it in the media. Yeah, we've done this, done that. Um, but if it's that easy, and getting rid of mandates is that easy, um, well, I it's would good say, faith. It would show good faith. Yeah, it was like, what's difficult about getting rid of those in the first hundred days? Should be a very easy thing to do, you know what I mean? So why isn't it there? Anyway, you uh, know. look, I don't think I don't know that it's a big thing. I think more for the people that still have them in their contracts and are getting offered contracts that still have those vaccine uh, mandates in them. That's the employer-driven ones. People could take the coalition agreement and say, "Look, it's the intention by the government to get rid uh, of these, hmm. um, to get rid of you know you shouldn't have them any re- way really because um, the government's uh, mandated." Man, government's ordered mandates ended in September 2022. The fact that you're still uh, banging this drum, um, you know. Yeah. yeah. It'd be hard to argue against that. I think good. so. Yeah, good point. Yeah. Um, so that's just empowering the people now. And there's been a lot of, lot of people write in to say, I've still got this or I'm still being asked to agree to this. And, you know, take it along. Push back. All right. Um, yep. uh, any final words? Anything that we've missed? Anything you want to? Raised before we call time on this legal hub. Oh, I just I just want to say one thing. I, I heard, um, you know, I've had a even you know friends comment to me about, oh, it's great this this new government's going to do this, and they got this, and in the in the you know in the coalition agreement it says this, and the hundred day plan says that. Well, you, you kind of have to remember that some of the stuff the devil will be in the detail. So, you know, don't get too excited about uh, making plans for uh, your your life because of tax changes or whatever else, simply because of something in a hundred day plan or in a you know political speech or in a coalition agreement. You, you know, the, the, first of all, the bill has to be put forward; it has to be debated in Parliament. Select committee has to change it. Public submissions have to be put into it. The bill will change. Supplementary order papers then have to go in, and and they, they get debated at the committee stage of, of Parliament, and then you get the final you know act of Parliament that's signed off. So that that can take a while, and the final act of Parliament for any of these things that that some of these parties have promised could could be uh, quite a bit different than what they actually you know ha- have have put in some simple words in a coalition agreement or in a hundred day plan. So it's it's in some of these things the devil's going to be in the detail. 
Thank you, Nick. <laughs> oh, I don't want to be the, you know, I know it's Christmas time. I don't want to be, you know, uh, Mr. Scrooge at Christmas time, but uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, maybe I have been. Yeah. No, no, fair point. Absolutely yeah. fair point. Cool. All right. Well, that was an interesting um, program. Yeah. yeah. Um, sorry, I think a bit of it was on, a bit more on the fly than usual, especially as all the stuff's just coming in. Um, and and hitting the desktop now. Well, it, it, so I hope moving, it was coherent. It's moving pretty quick. It's been moving pretty quick, mm. and mm. Um, and it's going to be just fascinating. You know, what's the saying? Get the uh, get the popcorn out. You know, um, mm. make sure the supplies there because mm. there's going to be plenty to observe, and it's going to be fascinating to see how this, like you're saying before, well, both of you, but I think Nick, you were, you know, h- how's this going to? How are they going to play this? Because it seems like very limited room to move, really. So how they play it, a limited room to move, it seems to me, dumb guy in the street. Um, yeah, I suspect it's going to be as much a um, – look, and, and, and I'll say this comment, a lot of um, – not a lot, but some of the big – um, litigation and, and criminal defence work that is done by some of the top King's councils uh, around the country and, and other places in the world. A lot of it is, um, is is strategy around public relations and media as much as it is, uh, you know, the criminal or, or the or the legal aspect of the case. And I suspect with this particular case, that is going to be prominent too from the other side, from the Crown. Yeah, that's, that's how I um, right. see this going. Mm. Mm. Okay, that's our program. That's Legal Hub for this week. I think we've only got one or two left to go before the end of the year. Oh, that's sad. Um, yeah. I'm still in. I think I'm still saying Happy New Year, so I can't even get into the thought of wishing anyone a Merry Christmas. Yeah, well, let's start, I'm starting to see evidence of Christmas sort of stirrings, so you're probably okay to start sort of doing that now. Mm, I'm just you not know. ready. <laughs> well, Christmas might be here, but summer's not, Paul. Well, it depends on where you are, Nick. Yeah, that's true. All right. I want to thank Nick Kearney and Katie Ashby-Coppins for our Legal Hub this week. Absolutely fascinating. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thanks, Paul. Have a good day. Bye-bye. Loving what you're hearing? Well, the establishment hates it. And right now, they're conjuring up new ways to try and censor RCR. To ensure you never miss a beat of the hard-hitting news you've come to know and love, make sure you're on the RCR mailing list. Get connected now at realitycheck.radio forward slash email.